0: Go ahead and grab a seat, grab a seat, and get ready to figure out what you're supposed to do with the rest of your life. Uh, Turn to the book of Exodus, Um, yeah, yeah, no pressure, Um, book of Exodus, so like I said, we have finished our series on tough stuff, which, which was so awesome, you guys did such a good job, we had so many new faces coming in. Um, and just kind of seeing you know, and, and I think we, we did you guys did such a good job of just surrounding people with fellowship and and maybe some skeptical people came in, curious about what the Bible teaches about certain topics, uh, and then we were able to show them what the Bible says about same sex marriage and uh, transgenderism and politics and race and all these and abortion and all these different things and I hope that you guys were also encouraged. Um, I'm just making sure. So I'm I'm checking to be sure it's recording because we do have a podcast. So please check that out. Um, All you have to do is search PVN College on Spotify or Apple Music, PVN College. Or ask one of these kiddos who's been around for a while, um, and they'll they'll send it to you. So tonight, we're shifting gears into a little bit more... um, of a more chill space of of exploring this idea of calling. Um, And I almost didn't even want to call it that um, as our series. Because as you'll see tonight, the idea of calling is one that we really need to kind of demystify. Does that make sense? Like, bring more down to earth. And and not just bring more down to earth, but make more biblical. And so I hope that tonight, as you guys try to figure out what you're supposed to do, I hope that this will be helpful, and then next week, we'll kind of do a slightly different take on it, and that will be the end of the series on calling, okay? But in the meantime, I do want to recommend, and I'm going to read from it just a second. This is a book called um, Just Do Something by Kevin DeYoung, and he means it. He's not coming across the top rope to say, just do something. Like He's saying, just do something, and it says, a liberating approach to finding God's will or how to make a decision without dreams, visions, fleeces, impressions, open doors, random Bible verses, casting lots, liver shivers, writing in the sky, etc. So Barry, he covers a lot of ground in this little book. It is mercifully short, right? Um, I just want to read from the first paragraph of the introduction to this book. So think about the idea of calling and what are you supposed to do with your life and what does it mean and is God going to tell you? How does that work? He says this. <clears throat> Please understand this is dripping with sarcasm, okay? Which is like my native tongue. So we're, we're going to be good. It is God's will for you to read this book. Yes. I'm talking to you. What are the odds that you would just happen to pick up this book and flip open to this page, which is the first page, and start reading? Obviously, it's a sign of all the millions of books in the world. You found this one. Wow. Wow. I have chills. Do not pass up this divinely orchestrated moment. If you miss this moment, there's a good chance you will completely miss God's will for the rest of your life and spend your days in misery and regret. For so many of us, we think this is, this is what we think of our future of our job, of the major that we're in right now. When you're choosing your major in college, choose carefully because your destiny lies in the balance, right? The next however many years of your life. And I see a lot of college students, this, this idea for this series was birthed out of like four years ago, I had a college girl come up to me after service and she was like, it's my junior year of college, I've paid all this money for this major and now I don't want to do it. And I'm terrified that I'm missing God's will for my life, right? And so I thought, we've got to talk about this. And I see a lot of college students crumple under this pressure because they think that their entire future hangs on what's happening right now, this one decision. And if they get it wrong, then the next 40 years of your life are just going to be wasted because you missed God's will God will abandon you. You won't be happy or successful, all because you chose history instead of business or business instead of art. So that's what we're going to talk about in this series. How can you have peace about God's calling on your life? And how can you know what that calling is? And how does God put a calling on your life? Is that even the right way to think about it? So in Exodus chapter 3, look at Exodus chapter 3. Verses 1 through 10. This is Moses and the burning bush, right? Side note, love the movie The Prince of Egypt, okay? You know what I'm talking about? Church kids of the world unite. Yeah, Prince of Egypt, like the, one, the first PG movie I was allowed to watch. It, it's awesome, okay? The book of Exodus is not a musical, so it's not the most, like, like, you know, biblically literate, like, interpretation, but it is awesome. And it's nice to be able to put names with faces, and I think it does a good recapturing of some of the stuff. But anyway... So this is the burning bush scene in Exodus 3, 1 through 10. Okay, let's read. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the, Lord saw, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he said. Then the Lord said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry. Because of their taskmasters, I know their suffering. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them out, up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing of milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Verse 9, And now... Behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression of them with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So many people. Why I talk about the burning bush when we're talking about calling? Because so many of us think this is what our calling is going to look like, okay? Like you're going to be in your dorm room one night praying, because that's all you do, I know, in your dorm room, and, and like, it'll be the bridge of what a beautiful name, right? And the violins are like kicking in strong, and all of a sudden, your, your couch will catch on fire, but it won't be consumed, right? And out of the, you'll hear, it'll be like, you'll hear, it'll be like, Devin, right? And like, Katrina, and like, you'll hear, you'll hear the voice, and, and all of a sudden, God will be like, Early childhood education. Like he'll tell you, like you're, and you're like, I got it. I've or or you're or you'll be like at a at a concert, or you'll be at the passion conference, you'll be at some incredible place, and like in the middle of the bridge of the song, you'll hear the call of the Lord, like missionary to Brazil. Like you'll hear it audibly, what you're supposed to do. So many of us think that this is what it looks like. And here's the thing though, this for some college students, this is what they're waiting for. We're waiting to hear from God where we should go, which sounds great, but, and, and it is a good thing to hear from God, but I want to argue tonight that maybe God's speaking to us a little bit differently. So many students will say, I'm just waiting for God to tell me what to do, tell me who to marry, tell me what job I'm supposed to get, tell me where I'm supposed to go. Let me wager to you, I'm waiting to hear from God, I'm waiting for Him to talk to me. What if He already is? What if he already is talking to you? What if he's already been telling you what he wants you to do? Listen, and he's been telling you for the last several years. We always start with Exodus three when it comes to calling, but let's go back a chapter. Go to Exodus chapter 2, 11 through 12. Exodus 2: 11 through 12. And think of this idea of calling. Exodus 2: 11 through 12. One day. When Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. Then he looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So Moses sees this hard labor, right? Moses sees his people being beaten and enslaved, and he does something about it. He doesn't like that his people are being persecuted. It burns in his heart so much that he kills this guy. He kills this guy, and that shows us that Moses is already wanting to free and protect his people. Look at verse 13. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together, and Moses said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companions? So Moses sees two of his people fighting with each other the next day, and he reaches in because he wants them to stop fighting amongst themselves. Now listen, why am I showing you this? Moses is seeking to bring order to his people. Moses already wants to free and protect his people. He already wants to bring order to his people. He wants to lead them already, and God has not even shown up yet. This is Exodus 2. God calls Moses to do this in Exodus 3. We always think that Moses was called to free his people kind of out of nowhere. And he just decided that that's what he was going to do. And that's not how it happened. Moses already wanted to, to free his people. It's right here in Exodus 2. God just, listen, God just took Moses' natural passion and then used it for his glory. Step one to figuring out your calling is finding your natural passions. What are your natural passions? So step one, finding your natural passions. And this isn't, don't make this harder than it needs to be. Be gut level honest with yourself. Do you like making things with your hands? What subjects in school do you love? What subjects in school do you hate, right? What is something, one thing that I ask students is, What is something that if you had, and be as honest as you can, what is something that if you had to do it on a Saturday morning, you wouldn't mind? What is something that if you had to do it on a Saturday morning, you wouldn't mind? I remember when I, before I came to PVN, my first job out of college was at a, a, a financial planning firm called Ronald Blue and Company. It's Ronald Blue Trust now. Um, but it was in Atlanta and it was financial planning uh, and I was in the communications department and I, I, it, it wasn't for me. It was a great company, but it just wasn't my thing, okay? but even it, And it was kind of a nine to five and on some days I would come in and I would get in there and, and I would see people, like, like I remember one morning, I had to get there at like 6.30 in the morning. We we're having a conference, so I had to get in there and get ready. And I got in there at 6.30 in the morning and like several men and women were already there Like, I'm dragging myself in here, and they're already there, like, working away, coffee in hand, like, ready to go. Makeup done, tie on, whatever, ready to go. And I was like, wow. And then, like, some days I would leave later in the night, like, 6.30, 6.45 sometimes, and those same people were there just plugging away, plugging away, plugging away. Now, first thing, there is a little bit of workaholism in there, maybe. Like, let's be careful. But at the same time, though, I found myself as a college graduate, figuring out what I'm supposed to do, thinking, I want a job like that. Does that make sense? I want a job where I have, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize, what, I have to go. I've been, I just get lost in this job, right? And I mean that in the best way. I want a job like that, where I can get lost in what I'm doing, and, and, and I don't mind getting there early, and I don't mind staying late. I want a job like that. What are you passionate about? You see, we keep waiting on God to come down in fire and thunder to speak about our calling, but he makes it clear in his word that he's already speaking to you about your calling. Through, he is speaking to you through the passions that he's given you. Does that make sense? He's speaking to you through the... Where do you think those passions came from, right? What does he say to Moses? Who made man's mouth, right? I'm passionate about like just I'm passionate about strawberry ice cream. Well, who made your taste buds? Who designed you so that you would be passionate about these certain things? Does that make sense? God is all, I'm waiting to hear from God. He's already talking to you. He's already telling you the direction he wants you to go based on the passions he's given you. But number two, so we have our pat. There's three of them by the way. There's not like 18. So there's three of them. Number one was. Find your natural passions. What are you passionate about? Number two, passions that become talents, okay? Passions that become talent. Uh, Exodus 3, 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, The mountain of God. So Moses flees Egypt after killing this Egyptian slave owner and he goes to Midian. And he's in Midian for about 40 years. While in Midian, he develops this passion to continue to want to free the Israelites and he is trained up as a shepherd, one who is in charge of many. Boy, that's going to come in handy in like eight chapters, right? And we know from what's called extra biblical literature, so literature that's about the Bible, but it's not the Bible, Moses was a great military leader in Egypt while he was in Pharaoh's family. So Moses has roughly 25 years of experience leading large forces of people across Egyptian terrain in the military. And then he has 40 years where he grows an extensive knowledge of the desert beyond Egypt. And by the way, this is almost the exact same path he leads Israel through after they are freed. Mount Horeb in my Bible, it might have another word in your Bible, but it means the same thing. This is Mount Sinai. This is Ten Commandments. And look at that. God, years before he's going to bring everybody there, he brings Moses there. Before Moses has to lead a flock of people there, he leads these sheep there. There, God is preparing him, taking that passion, turning it into a talent so that when it's time, he can serve his people well. Moses has a passion to free them, but he doesn't have the skill set to do it. So God brings him away to Midian and trains him up. And this is all before the burning bush, right? We have this phrase, that, and, and it was more kind of my generation back. Maybe you guys have heard it. God doesn't call the equipped he equips the called. You guys heard that before? God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the call. And I agree with that, but I, listen, I would go further and say he equips them before he calls them. And then I'd actually go even further one more and say his equipping them is his calling them. Does that make sense? It's part of the calling. It's all together. Listen, Moses is such a perfect example that God will not give you a job that you are unqualified for. And we can already kind of hear, like, "Well, what about faith, Ryan? Like, we're already feeling that tension of starting to break. We'll get there. So many, but so many people are just not gifted or happy in their job or where they're serving because they are in no way qualified or prepared beforehand for that job. But they, in their own heads, went looking for this burning bush moment where they audibly heard God, or they opened their Bible to a psalm one day and decided to go down this path. They're basing their whole calling on one moment instead of listening to God's constant voice through their passions and talents. Does that make sense? Now, do some people do it kind of this way and it works out? Sure it does, because God is gracious. But I wouldn't recommend that as the wise path. On the whole, are we listening to God's voice daily through the passions and talents He has given us? And this doesn't just apply to work. Are you a Christian? Well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I got saved. I walked the aisle when I was seven. Well, that's great, but you haven't been to church in 15 years. And you haven't touched your Bible in just as long. That doesn't sound like a Christian. But we're basing it all on this one moment instead of a lifetime of repentance. making we want to make our own burning bush moment. That's not God's voice. that's your voice. Your vo- Our voice likes the big, dramatic spotlight moment where we think that this is God. but God speaks to us daily through our passions and talents and through His word. Um, you know, or like or like I went, to, I went to a conference last week, and during the Bridge of Reckless Love, I felt that God was calling me to be a missionary. Wow, where? Africa. Africa, wow. Well, do you like to travel? No, I don't like to travel. Okay, well, are you willing to learn Swahili? No, nah, okay, well, I don't think he's calling you to be a missionary in Africa then. Does that make sense? Or like, oh, I feel led to go to missions, Ryan. Where? Antarctica. Oh, Antarctica, wow. You know, there's only like seven people there, and they're not even there the whole year. Ryan, who are you, hushman, who are you like, Ryan, I know that, but who are you to interfere with the Holy Spirit? I'm trying to help. You see, like if you're just called somewhere, then nobody can say anything to you because it's this, it's this ethereal call from God that no one can help you discern. It makes no sense. So many people feel, and this is kind of one of these old church things that we do, So many people think that if you feel a nudge to do something that you hate, then it must be from God. That makes no sense. Now, will he call us to do things that are uncomfortable or things that we may not like at the time? Yes. But those callings will be based on our passions and talents and on his word, not on one burning bush moment. And if you feel like you've had one of those moments... In your life, ask yourself, maybe you have, but ask yourself, does that moment that you felt, does it align with your passions and your talents and God's Word? God has many things, but one thing He is not is inconsistent. It would be inconsistent of Him to equip you to do these things and then call you to do something totally different. How inconsistent, how unclear. But Jesus says in the New Testament, I give you these things so that you will know and look, if you don't like to travel, if you don't speak the language, but God still wants you to go, then He will work a miracle in your heart and you will be drawn to these, these people or this place. He's changing your passions. If you're not qualified for it and you have no peace about it, listen, don't do it because He's not calling you there. So listen, you may a passion and a talent. You may love going to the pool, but you stink at swimming. Well, then he's not calling you to pursue the U.S. Olympic swim team. Make sense? We're all on the same page? Start with passions, but then ask, okay, what are my talents? A good way to define a talent is a passion you can act on, okay? That's how we connect these, passion and talent. A talent is a passion that you can act on. Moses has passion to free his people. The Lord gave him that. Then the Lord guided Moses as his passion was developed into a talent. And he'll do the same for you. Now, the final thing that Moses needs is the final thing that you need. So we have passion, we have talent, opportunity. Okay? Passion, talent, and the third and final thing is opportunity. Exodus 2, 23 to 24. Exodus 2, 23 to 24. During those days... The king of Egypt died. This is why Moses is in the desert. During those days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue for slavery from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So the old Pharaoh dies. Here's why this is important. Exodus two twenty-three to 24 The old Pharaoh dies, and the reason that's important is because Moses' murder charge dies with him. Public knowledge and memory of Moses fades. People know less about Moses, and they care less about Moses. Now that he comes back through Egypt, he can go through it unbothered and untouched. Listen, if he had gone back any sooner, Moses wouldn't have freed anybody. He'd have been thrown into jail. So look at how God's sovereign hand gives Moses the opportunity to use this passion and talent at the right time and holds him back until it is time. Moses started with a passion. The Lord guarded and guided the development of that passion into a talent, and now God is the one who gives the opportunity. You may want a certain job, but that door is just closed right now. You may have a great major and you want to develop your talent, but God has not granted you the opportunity to walk through that open door yet. You may have to wait like Moses did, and that's what we'll talk about next week. But for now, one way of God confirming that call in your heart is through giving you opportunities, okay? Giving you doors that He opens where you can use this passion and this talent. So what do we do with these doors and these opportunities? Two things and then we're done. What do we do with opportunities? Number 1, listen, look for them. Look for these opportunities. You won't catch any fish in your living room, right? Like I can't go to Ty's house and like whoosh, and like Ty's got the thing on his carpet and he's like, "Oh, hang on, Ryan. Like I uh, I'm getting a bite." We're like, "No, you're not. Hang on. No, you're not." Go get your like get your fishing pole. Go outside and like give it your best shot, right? I tell this to single people too. If you want to date, like go meet people, like put yourself out there. When it comes to looking for opportunities, go look for the opportunities that God is working. Because for so many of us, we have passions that have become talents and God is giving us opportunities, but we don't act on them because we're supposed to wait for this burning bush moment to confirm it for us. Don't do that. He's already confirming it through giving you opportunities. If you like to speak, ask for FCAs and BCMs for opportunities to speak. If you like to teach, um, like schools all over Rome are looking for community coaches and and associate teachers. If you like medicine, call one of the hospitals around and looking for jobs. Go and look. So that's one thing is go and look for the opportunities, right? Going, maybe part of God growing you, part of His grace, is the growth you'll experience when you go look for these opportunities, right? Second thing, last thing, if the door stays closed, use that closed door as a chance to develop your passion and talent further. If the door stays closed, use that closed door as an opportunity to develop your passion and talent further. Use it to grow more talented and more passionate. Read books on your passion. Watch YouTube videos on your passion or talent. Find a mentor who has already gone down this path and use their advice and example. People who are older than college students love when college students want to learn from them, okay? Like they love it. Like there's this break in generations, build that bridge back, dude. Like ask them, "You are what I want to be. Can I shadow you one day a week? Any day you want, I'll bring my own lunch. You don't have to spend any money on me. Please let me shadow you." College is is this really it is an opportunity where you have time to hone your passion to dig deep, to stay up late, or to get up early, right? And learn as much as you, whichever one you want to do, and learn as much as you can. Because listen, once you start that job, you still have time to keep developing, but that time goes way down because you're in the job now. Opportunity, listen, opportunities are things that you can't really control, okay? You can go looking for them, but you may not really be able to control them. But you can control how talented and how passionate you are. Does that make sense? You can't control opportunities. God has to open these doors. But you can control how talented and passionate you are. And while you wait, take the time to grow. Let me read this last paragraph from the first page of just do something. Now that I've scared you, let me acknowledge that everything about that previous paragraph was total baloney. It's not true at all. Actually, I don't know if it's God's will for you to read this book. But I do think that reading it could be a really good idea. That's the exact right mentality. Does that make sense? I don't know if it's God's will for you to read this book, but I know that reading this book is probably a good idea. I don't, listen, I don't know what God's will is for your life. I don't know, and you don't either, and that's okay. But I do know that it's a good idea for you to start acting on your passions and talents now. And while you do that, listen, last thing, while you do that, remember, while you look for a job, remember, that no job can secure your eternal destiny, good or bad. Your eternal destiny was decided 2,000 years ago. The cross is Jesus' guarantee that whether you spend your life floating from one opportunity to the next or whether you work that first job for 30 years, he has sealed you through the cross on an even deeper level. You are first and foremost his child, not their employee. Does that make sense? You are first and foremost his child, not their employee. Your future is certain not because of a job, but because of Jesus, okay? More on this next week. Let's pray and then we'll sing.